Bloody Elbow presents the Level Change Podcast, the combat sports variety show that brings you analysis, fight announcements, and insightful discussion of MMA's biggest headlines. Paid Bloody Elbow Podcast Substack subscribers will hear bonus content, if available, at the end of the broadcast. Be sure to subscribe at bloodyelbow.substack.com for our newsletter and at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com for our podcast network. Follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at facebook.com slash bloodyelbowblog, and as always, on bloodyelbow.com. Thanks for listening. Here are your hosts, Steffi Haynes and Victor Rodriguez. Welcome back, and thank you for listening to episode 250 of the Level Change Podcast. I'm Steffi Haynes, and I'm joined, as always, by my amazing co-host, Victor Rodriguez. But today, we've got a really, really special show for you, since it's episode number 250. Uh, We do have an interview with Luke Thomas that'll come up a little later in our bonus content. But the biggest news is that Mookie is rejoining us for our 250th episode. Mookie Alexander, how are you? I'm happy. Hey, Steffi. Hey, Victor. Um, Yeah, I didn't intend to pervert it to to return exactly at 250. I thought it would be on a little bit sooner, but, you know, life gets in the way. But maybe it's fitting that I came back for episode 250. A lot's happened since the last time I was on in January, I believe it was mid-January, where we were picking, I think, who would be champion at the end of 2023. And uh, yeah, it, it's MMA. There, there's always going to be shit going down. Some of it good, a whole lot of it bad. I think I'm supposed to be in the PFL tournament at this rate. <laughs> <laughs> Vic, how's your week going? I know you just uh, picked up the boy from summer camp. Yeah, after so much complaining, I don't want to go. I'm not. I'm not doing <laughs> summer camp. Uh, how dare you? All of this, you know, as if somehow I had insulted the boy in, in the most uh, complete of ways. He's thrilled. He's made two friends already. It was day one. And um, I, I good. I'm super happy for him to have had that done. And wow, what a week of MMA and what a week of MMA news. Um, too much shit is going on. I need a break. Just just get, take me off this ride, please. <laughs> right. Absolutely. So we have a lot on deck for you guys today for our listeners uh we have we have a few headlines we're going to cover we're definitely going to look back at ufc vegas 75 we're going to look forward to ufc on abc 5 or is it 6 i think it's 5 i don't know 5 or 6 whatever they all run together but first things first there was a fight announcement and i gotta get mookie's take on this because he hates fights like this so i, I want to get the the first words out of his mouth when i say that they are pairing up max holloway with korean zombie mookie can they unpair max holloway and korean zombie like right like right this minute see the thing is that fight would have probably been a, a, a clear holloway win when korean zombie was at his absolute best but um, Holloway's still very, very good. He might not be at the level where he's going to win a title again. But the Korean zombie that fought Volkanovsky, um, that's a dude I don't really want to see fighting at this level anymore. I, I mean, the UFC, um, conveniently, given uh, the, the Conor McGregor news that, that dominated the day, they, they just did a massive main event announcement. And they had, what, that fight and um, Corey Sanhagen and Cousin Umar. Well, that fight's actually great. That's an objectively awesome fight. And then Cyril Gan against um, Sergei Spivak, which is 
whatever. But Holloway versus Korean Zombie, that has me uneasy. Like they're they're doing that in international waters for a reason, because I feel like we're about to witness a crime. It's going to be a beating, and I don't want to see Zombie having just taken a beating against Volkanovski take another beating at the hands of Holloway. When was this fight announced? Do you remember? Uh, it was yeah. announced right after we recorded. I think it was a day after. Suspiciously, it was announced, um, I think, the day after all of the um, allegations for Conor McGregor happened. That's precisely what I'm trying to get at. Every time we hear some crazy shit, this is, and I said this the other day, mm-hmm. but the same thing happened after Francis signed with PFL. Mm-hmm. What's up, UFC? Here's a bunch of shit we're going to throw at the wall. These fights might not have been agreed to, but we're going to announce them anyway. La, 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 jazz hands, distractions. Uh, look, these are two big names. They're action fighters. I, I don't, I get it. You know, like when I first heard about it, I'm like, oh, this fight's awesome. This is fire. And then I'm sitting there like 10 minutes later, like, you idiot. <laughs> like, come on, man. I, zombie, I don't know how many more ass beatings I want to see this dude take. And you can argue that Holloway has been on something of a slide. He's not done, you know, but I think the, the Volkanovsky losses definitely put a bit of a, a uh, he, he's lost a bit of luster, you know, with that. But that doesn't mean that he's not capable of putting on an absolute mauling here. If Volkanovski was able to do what he did to, to Korean Zombie, you don't think Holloway could do something similar? You know, he doesn't have to do it the same way, but these are guys that are able to dish out volume, and here's a guy who is defensively compromised a lot of the time. So I don't like those chances. But you do have two big names, and yeah, maybe you don't know what's going to happen. We may get more action and more grit from uh, from Young than what we might anticipate, but do you really want to hold your breath for that? Do you really want to put money on that? I don't know. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I think both of them could use a soft touch, just not against each other, because there are levels here, as Victor was alluding to. And the level that Max is at, even with a little of the luster coming off of the armor, is still, I'd say, a little bit too high for Korean Zombie. And I honestly don't want to see this because it's going to be a squash match. Pretty sure of that. Anyways, let's take a look back at UFC Fight Night, Vittori versus Cannoneer, where that I reigned supreme over the two of you. It's very rare I get to do this, but I don't know if you've noticed, I am catching up because where I was at one time, an entire fight card down, 11 fights down. I have now pulled within four of the both of you because the both of you are tied right now at 49, 38, and one. And I am at 45, 42, and one. I came in first this week because I chose Jared Cannonier. So we're going to start there at the top, and we're going to turn it over to Mookie first to tell us what he saw in Jared Cannonier versus Marvin Vittori. First of all, I have no idea how I'm doing this well in the standings <laughs> because I have 
fucked up. So many main events this year. <laughs> I don't think I think I've got one pay-per-view main event right the whole year, and then I've missed these last few few ones. I missed the Bellator and the UFC. Oh no, I got um, Romero over Nemkov correct, uh, or Nemkov over Romero correct. It was the Patricio fight. It was off, but that was the co-main. But uh, yeah, that's way better than I thought it was doing. As far as this fight, I actually watched a good chunk of this fight night. I haven't been watching them all live lately, as I've written uh, in that guest column on the Substack. But Vittori can take a hell of a shot. And also, he is destined to get knocked out within the next year or so because mm-hmm. he has taken an ungodly amount of punishment. These last three fights, I would say, because there's a case that he might have lost that Delize fight. And if I had remembered that he had a struggle with Roman Delize, I might have just picked Cannoneer on, on that instinct. But Whitaker just wiped him out. I mean, he hit him with the same shot over and over again. Same dynamic happened with this one. Cannoneer was just all over him. And Dominic Cruz, him and his refusal to understand judging <laughs> is the worst part of every UFC broadcast that he is on. Because Vittori was on the brink of getting knocked out in the second. I'm pretty sure a couple of judges gave a 10-8, rightfully so. He did a little bit better in that he didn't die in the third round. And Cruz in round four is going like, arguably, he possibly won the third round. And I'm going like, no, he absolutely didn't. And then in semi-defense of him, I think a judge actually did give Vittori the third round, yeah. which I, I'm struggling to see that. It was either the third or the fourth it round. It was but the fourth, didn't win. I believe. Yeah. He didn't win any of those rounds. Right. I, I mean, he won the first round. Of all things, I think everybody was a little bit taken aback that he hurt Cannoneer in the first place because I don't think Vittori's ever recorded a knockdown ever. He's just not a big enough puncher, whereas Cannoneer, we know, has the power. What I didn't expect was Cannoneer's gas tank to hold up as well as it did. I mean, this dude, it's like he is aging as gracefully as any any like upper weight class fighter I can think of. He's 39 years old, and he's got the gas tank that looks like he could go seven rounds. So, no, I have no interest in him seeing him and Adesanya fighting again, but him at the top of this division, I think he's here to stay. Shoot, as far as I'm concerned, I'd like to see him go back to 205. That division reeks. He yeah. probably could be a top five fighter at 205 right this minute. Yes, he could. I mean, have you seen the the images that are floating around of Jamal Hill? And my goodness, he looks like a heavyweight right now. It's easy to forget he's the champion. <laughs> it really is, but it's easy to forget any of them are the champion at 205 because they no longer do those packages that they used to do. 10 years ago, it used to be a new champion would come in and the UFC would trot them out on all the different talk shows. They, they would have them ring the New York Stock Exchange bell. They would have them in Toyo Tire commercials and Metro PCS commercials and drink commercials, this, that, and the other. But that that is long gone by the wayside. They didn't do any of that for Glover. They didn't do any of that for the brief time that Jan was in there. They didn't do any of that for Yuri. They have not done anything at all for Jamal Hill, except give him a couple of free tickets to sit by, by the cage and basically have his name flashed on screen for about uh, a second. You know, maybe 1.5 seconds, if that. That is literally all they've done. We have no promotion going on at all. I don't blame them. I am in favor of shutting this division down and moving the remaining good 205ers up to heavyweight. (laughs) Victor? I I don't I kind of resent the fact that you're ignoring a crucial element of this whole thing. What's that? All that sweet, juicy crypto they're getting. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah, that's the good shit. Uh, Okay. No, uh, yeah, I I agreed on all fronts in terms of the 
lack of promotion, the lack of distinction, the lack of any real prestige being assigned to any of this stuff. I mean, Jamal Hill is champion. Like, does, did, who, who else is forgetting this? And this is us. Like, we're in the shit. We're in this day in and day out. What, imagine someone who doesn't watch these things as often as we do or who doesn't uh, maybe check in every week or every month. I, I can't I can't imagine what that's like. But, you know, ultimately, it doesn't seem to be much of a concern for the business model here for the UFC. And um, alluding to here to what Mookie started with, I, I really expected Vittori to be the one with the cardio and volume edge. Turns out that wasn't the case. Jared gave him a, a, a taste of a couple of those shots, and, man, he had him stung for a while, man. I mean, Marvin was um, not able to commit the way he wanted to. He was getting punished. He was getting countered. I think the larger question now, seeing those new wrinkles and seeing the way that Jared was able to push that pace and bring that pressure forward and maintain that level, uh, can he do that to, for example, a Robert Whitaker in a rematch? Can he fare better against Adesanya in a rematch if that were to be the case because those are the only two places to go at this point there's no other step up really with Whitaker if you go back Mookie and I had discussed this when that fight happened but if you go back and watch that Cannoneer was definitely coming on strong in that third round and he knocked Whitaker around a good fair bit to put him on his back feet had him wrestling you know I mean there, there was also an elbow in that third round that put Whitaker on roller skates so with that kind of cardio I mean obviously I want to see what Whitaker looks like after you know uh, Drikus Duplessis as as you say uh but uh I I would love to see that fight all over again that Whitaker fight absolutely I don't I don't I don't disagree with that either but what I'm what I'm trying to uh get to here that the the first Whitaker fight Mm -hmm. you know once once Bobby started getting a read on him and once he started really kind of figuring out, OK, I can get away with this. You know, he was sort of solving that puzzle in real time. And you saw that from the second round onward. Jared wasn't looking as um, as imposing and, and, and Whitaker was much smarter with his defense. Maybe the second time around, Cannoneer and his team might be able to find some gaps and, you know, really, really do something more with that. But see, this is what happens now. This is the sad thing. Now we're looking at Vittori as, as an afterthought, not just because of the fact that he lost, lost his fight, but where does he go now in this division? You know what I mean? Like, what do you do with this guy? Who does he fight now? And and is there any further upside? Because with the bombs this guy has been taking, you only have a limited amount of them before that shit starts to degrade. And the next person to really land a sledgehammer on that, I, I'm worried, man. I'm worried of what that's going to look like. Hmm. All right. Uh, let's get to the co-main event. Armin Sarukian absolutely just mauling Joaquim Silva. Ooh, that was a that was a stomping. Mookie, <laughs> uh, you want to take us into that one? Yeah, was Keith Peterson all right? Because <laughs> that was he, he was doing all the nonsense on that card. Whether really it was, was, and I found this like because I, I, I missed the prelims, but him blowing the the guillotine choke mm-hmm. call and in that uh, Ronnie Lawrence fight, and there was no tap. And then against in the Sarukian Joachim Silva fight, when this fight got booked, I thought, man, this is a waste of time for Sarukian. Like, well, what are we even doing? But then he got cr- cracked in that second round. Yeah. yeah. And he was on skates. And I thought, oh, my God, we're about to see a massive upset. And Sarukian is about to really fall off in the lightweight contender ranks. But it seemed like it just pissed him off more. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. those takedowns were powerful. And I think the last takedown had Silva hurt 
even before the punches that, that were raining down, the hammer fists and the elbows. I don't know what Keith was waiting for, um, but <laughs> it, it was a very late stoppage. Sarukian did what he had to do. I vaguely remember Sarukian calling out Michael Chandler and the fact that people are just not even calling out McGregor anymore. I know. T- tells you, tells you <laughs> the situation that, that, that we're in with, with McGregor and just the lightweight division as a whole. I, I would love to see Sarukian in another big time fight because I thought he, he got a, a slightly raw deal in the Gamrot fight. Him and Dariush, I know Dariush just came off a, a heavy loss, but Sarukian and Dariush would still be an excellent fight. I mean, Oliveira is probably going to fight for the title next. Um, so th- there are not a lot of, of super options really for Sarukian to fight at this point. I want to see him against Fiziev at some point. Yeah, mm. that, that, that would be a cool fight too, just for a stylistic mm-hmm. clash. Because Fiziev, I mean, th- that Gaethje fight was an absolute war. Mm-hmm. And the fact that Gaethje couldn't knock him out is a testament to how tough Fiziev is. But Fiziev presents a significant striking threat. And Sarukian, uh, the fact that he got hurt by Joaquim Silva... I can absolutely see a uh, Joaquim Silva, I guess. Viziev could absolutely crack Sarukian a couple of times and really buzz him because he's got that speed to go along with that power. Yeah. Victor, you want to weigh in? Sarukian's got that very well-rounded game. You know, he wrestles, he strikes, and he hits hard. And he's he's just, he knows where to be at all times. He knows where to move. He knows where his opponent's going before they're going when he has him on the ground. And that's what makes him so terrifying to deal with. Do you want that guy on top of you? I sure as hell don't. <laughs> there's, a, there's a thing where it's like he's he's kind of got that that sort of game plan that Khabib has. And obviously you don't want to draw too many comparisons to Khabib. I'm not saying that they fight the same way. But they do have an element that I find is similar, which is when you start hitting a guy and you know which way he's going to squirm and you already have another trap set there, that's, that's a very uh, potent thing to have. And he's just doing damage long-term in his fights, and it's just paying off dividends. So, yeah, he had a bit of a slip-up here in this one, but he made up for it, and he got, you know, what he was um, what he was looking for, right? He got the finish, and now he wants something bigger. He wants a notable name, and that's a smart thing to do because there's no other way for him to move up. You know, it's like, yeah, you beat Joaquim Silva. Ask the average fan who that guy was. You remember seeing that guy fight before? You remember him being even signed to the UFC? I bet you a lot of people didn't. Yeah. All right, finally, we're going to get to Pat Sabatini defeating Lucas Almeida. Made it look easy. I want to see this guy get, you know, better competition. But, man, he is so smooth. Mookie, take us in. Yeah, that fight could have been stopped in round one. <laughs> it, it did not need to go another round. That was just yeah. a formality. Look, Sabatini is is no joke. I, I know he had that that surprisingly quick loss to Damon Jackson. Uh, what was it? Yeah, 69-second knockout loss, so not nice for him. It, it was uh, late last year, but other than that, I mean, his wrestling, his ground and pound, and also his submission game. I remember he got that heel hook win over um, Jamal Embers. So you've got the submission over Almeida, obviously, to add to that. He's just suffocating. He, he is relentless with his game. And look, at, at featherweight and being, what, 33 years old in a few months, it's it's a very, very tough division to, to crack the top 10 or top 15. I think they should be moving moving him up the ladder a little more quickly just mm-hmm. to see if he's capable of, of being at least a fringe contender because this dude's not going to be an easy out for a lot of featherweights. Vic? 100% agreed. And, you know, it was looking like a bit of a slog. It's like, all right, I guess we're just going to see Sabatini 
lay on them and punch them for another, you know, 10 minutes. No, you know, we, we mercifully got the, uh, <laughs> we, we got to see a shorter end to it. And uh, this is, this is actually a case of somebody being dealt with in the proper manner, right? When you have a prospect that isn't being rushed along, but he's also not taking forever to be brought up and, and given more challenging uh, prospects and, and veterans to face. So I'm actually quite happy with this so far. I, I'd like to see where they uh, move him to next and what they decide to do, but they, I really hope they know that they've got something special on their hands with this guy. For sure. Now we did pick three Bellator fights. So we're going to run through those right quick as well. Now I did not watch Corey Anderson versus Phil Davis. Um, it went to a split decision and Corey Anderson won. I'm glad I was able to talk Victor out of that. Uh, Mookie, did you get to see any of these? I watched most of the Bellator main card. Anderson Davis, I didn't catch all of it, but it was certainly more entertaining the first few minutes than I had anticipated it would okay. be because okay. you could definitely envision even at their best this fight could have been a bit of a slog now in the third round um it, it did slow down a bit but Anderson did enough offensively I think to win and for Phil Davis uh it's probably the end of the road for him as a high level fighter I mean 38 years old and the fact that he's never been knocked out he's rarely ever been seriously hurt um he, he's a guy who does just doesn't take a lot of damage but he's clearly slowed down physically he's not at his absolute best he can still be a, a formidable wrestler but th there's really no like real reason to to think that davis is going to be back in title contention anytime soon whereas with Corey anderson man i, I kind of feel for him because he could be the champion right now or should have been a champion if, if that nemkov fight didn't end with the headbutt the mm -hmm. first one and then he gets dominated in the rematch, and now he's got to kind of do this all over again. I don't. I would not mind if he got an, another crack at Nemkov just because of the way the first fight went. Mm-hmm. Yep, I agree. Uh, Victor, you wanna you wanna weigh in? I just kind of feel a little sad because, like, I'm looking at Jamal Hill and Corey Anderson talking shit to each other on Twitter, and I'm sitting <laughs> there thinking, man, you imagine this version of Corey Anderson in the UFC now? Mm -hmm. He's gotten great. He's, he's improved. He's looked better. And yeah, sure. He didn't put away Phil Davis. Who the fuck does, you know, and this fight was, uh, yeah, it was more fun than it could have been. And it was fine. I mean, it, it wasn't, it wasn't the most boring slog possible. And Corey Anderson did exactly what he needed to do. He fought smart. He countered the wrestling. He showed that he had an edge everywhere else. And that was pretty dope. We also picked Sergio Pettis. And Patricio Pitbull, all three of us picked Patricio. A lot of people said this was boring. I won't go so far as to say it was a, a slog, but I will say it wasn't as entertaining as I'd hoped. But Sergio Pettis turned in a damn good performance. I mean, that was a, that was the very definition of a clinic. And the imagery of Patricio on his knees in there for so long. Oh my goodness, that hurt my feelings. I did not like this drop down to 135 for him. <clears throat> Excuse me. And while he made the weight, it didn't look like, I don't know, it didn't look very safe to me. I'm sorry. There, there comes a point when your body just doesn't give up water anymore. And it looked like he was very much at that point, maybe even past it. And the idea that he was thinking about dropping even further to 125, 
no thank you no thank you at all mookie yeah, this was a pure hard over head pick with with Patricio. Well, well, a little bit of the the, the head pick would be that Pettis has been all out for so long because of that knee injury, but Patricio's power didn't carry over to one thirty five, and he was always going to be at a speed disadvantage. And one thing that I I believe that needs to be factored into these future champ versus champ fights or or, or where one fighter is moving down, mm. the fighter who moves down it, it just doesn't happen. Yeah. It does not happen where, where the fighter who moves down ends up winning the belt there, too. We, we just saw it in the UFC side with um, Suhudo and Dillashaw years back before Dillashaw ended up popping for, for all the drugs, right? Dillashaw tried to go down to 125. Mm. He looked terrible, and he got knocked out very quickly. So with, with Patricio, I kind of got the same sense that, yeah, he, he probably shouldn't be at 135 ever. And for Sergio, I mean, it's frustrating with Sergio Perez because – he was not this this great in the UFC, and he's still only 29 years old. When all is said and done, there's a chance that he could be, go down as like a better fighter than his brother. Yeah, he, he could he could go, be a better fighter than Anthony. And I feel like he's the more technical fighter to begin with. I mean, look at his his wins over yeah. the last three. Yeah, since he went to Bellator, I mean, Africa shock in and he got a finish. That and this was after never getting a finish in the UFC. Ricky Bandejas credible win. Juan Archuleta to win the title. That's and very that, credible. That, all-time comeback knockout over Kyoji Horiguchi. He has got as, as good a resume as you could have while not being in the UFC, fighting in another promotion with the quality of wins that he's managed. But I remember in the UFC, whether at flyweights or bantamweights, he, he would have some good performances. I remember him not reacting all the punches at times, like the Ryan Benoit fight. And then just not looking great against Rob Font, for example. But he also beat Joseph Benavides. I kind of forgot about that. I think that was one of the signs that Benavides was on the decline. But that jab by Sergio, it was messing Patricio up. So were the body shots. And his takedown offense is super impressive. So I, I cannot wait to see Sergio Pettis and Patchy Mix. That is going to be an outstanding fight. I, I've been kind of down on Bellator lately with some of their cards and the fact that they've just not been all that entertaining. But Sergio Pettis, Patchy Mix is guaranteed excitement. I'm going to I'm going to posit something to you real quick. I'm going to give the, our listeners a little taste of something Luke Thomas told me. He says that Patchy Mix is right up there with Aljamain Sterling and uh, Sean O'Malley. Would you agree? I don't know about that yet, but the fact that that Patchy Mix is also not just winning with um, w- with the submission. Didn't he uh, knock out Rafi on Stotts last? Mm-hmm. Yes. And, yes, and that was like way out of left field. I, I wouldn't have in a million years said Patchy Mix is going to knee knock out Rafael Stotts. And, and he ended up doing the damn thing. Um, the way he shot down Horiguchi as well, choking out Magomed Magomedov. Uh, he, he is a gifted grappler. And what's his one loss? Juan Archuleta, right? Yeah. So that he's still a, a really good fighter. I think if you put Patchy Mix in the UFC, he would be an instant top 10 fighter that just speaks again and i banged on about this for years when i was still working in the industry bantamweight featherweight those divisions there is so much talent mm. beyond the ufc that you kind of wish that if they could all converge into one promotion you could make you can match make and have quality fights for days victor weigh in on Pit, uh, patricio pitbull and sergio pettis I mean, I was it the most thrilling fight? No. I mean, I expected probably more fireworks, but it was a smart performance and it was a good technical battle. 
And what really got me was the way Sergio was using those high kicks, the way he was mixing everything up, because that was putting that was putting Pitbull not just on his back foot, but it kept him guessing. And yeah, him dropping down was a different thing because now the speed advantages that he would have had at lightweight or the strength advantage that he would have had at bantamweight, I'm sorry, at, at featherweight, that's not really there in the same way. You know, it's, it's, yeah, you're still strong, you know, you're still kind of, you know, you, you've got more mass on your frame, so you're quote unquote bigger. But at the same time, like, are you really, you know what I mean? Is this helping? And I just, I don't know, logistically, maybe we should have seen that coming. We should have expected that. I guess you kind of, you garner the sort of goodwill that Pitbull has earned over time and just how damn good he is. You think, well, yeah, he's got the experience edge. He's done all these other things. Why the hell not? Uh, in terms of the patchy mix thing, I think he could march on into the UFC and be in the top five easily. Is he on Aljamain Sterling and uh, O'Malley level? Not yet. Give him time. He may even surpass them. Um, but not yet. All right. So we get to the final fight that we picked. And I'm going to ask y'all a question. When... Yoel Romero went over to Bellator. Did he sell them a bill of goods? <laughs> because boy, oh boy, aside from someone named Alex Polizzi and Melvin Manhoof, <laughs> yeah, he's not looking good. And this fight with Vadim Nimkov was awful, an awful showing by him. There was one moment where he looked alive, but I mean, it was quickly quelled. I just think that maybe Yoel is finally approaching the summit <laughs> or, or the base camp. I don't know which way you want to go up or down, but I, I just think he's done. Mookie? He is. Uh, after round three, sorry, after round two, I, I could pretty much tell that this was going to be a, a clear Nemkov win. And it was a question of whether he'd go the distance or if he'd knock him out. Romero, as he's wont to do, waited until the absolute last minute to do pretty much anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, by then it was way too late. I think he, he might have gotten around on, on one scorecard or whatever, but Nemkov dominated him. He, he was too precise with the striking. Romero didn't really make too much of an effort to take him down until the, I think that fifth round. Because in the third round, there was some weird slip by Nemkov. And I thought briefly that third round Romero had returned, but nah, didn't. Um, that fight was just a dud. And the fact that Romero got, even got a title shot off of those two wins, beating Polizzi and, and the Man remains of Melvin Manhoff, <laughs> that tells you the state of Bellator's upper weight class divisions. I mean, they're just it's just a dearth of talent there. Nemkov, I, th- that's a dude I wish was in the UFC because he, he is just so well-rounded. He is so dangerous everywhere. And he's got good wins. He's consistently had good wins since uh, he rose to prominence in Bellator, whether it's Phil Davis or... or the way he just stomped out Bader or beating Corey Anderson in that rematch. The Romero fight does absolutely nothing for me. He's 46 years old, man. The only thing I could credit Romero for is the fact that at 46, he's still extraordinarily hard to put away. Because remember, the one time he's ever been knocked out was that Fajal fight. And Fajal may or may not have been extremely juiced to the gills way back (laughs) when. That's 12 years ago. And from what I remember that fight, Romero again did fuck all and then he got knocked out. So uh, other than that, he's been hurt. But to knock him out, it's really difficult. I'd be cool if Romero just retired. It seems like he's a lot of smoke and mirrors since around, oh, I don't know, 2018? Oh, oh I mean, he was doing some smoke and mirror stuff. He was doing that drunken master Emmanuel Augusta stuff. It's like, <laughs> come on, man. <laughs> I, I, I'm glad you're having fun. 
but I'm not having fun watching this. <laughs> Victor? Okay, two things. Number one, Mookie, I was hoping that you were going to say that Nemkov was precise with his precision, Joe. Um, the second, <laughs> Melvin Manhoff. Melvin Manhoff was 137 years old. Come on, I, I had to say. Uh, I, look, I kind of had a bit more fun with this than most people did because there. it seemed to me like Romero had some moments where he was putting together something of a rally, you know, where he was kind of like, oh, shit, wait, what's what's he going to do now? Hold on a second. He's he's kind of doing something tricky. He's kind of countering some shots, but never really added up to much. But the potential for holy shit, is it going to happen, was kind of there for a few brief flashes. So that, I you know... Look, I think he's absolutely done in terms of being a high-level contender, but I would absolutely would have no problem with him sticking around, fighting some lower-level guys. You know, I, I, you soft-walk him at this point, and that's okay. I, I, this is not the same guy who was knocking out Chris Weidman and doing all this wacky shit. That's fine. But the fact that he's still, like Mookie said, right, the fact that he's still at 46, this resilient, not only that, but still this athletic. His cardio didn't seem to slow down like that he seemed mostly fine and so i am I'm, I'm okay with him sticking around i guess i don't have a problem if he decides no i'm not going to retire i mean he's getting fat checks he's not taking too much damage he's not looking he's not getting embarrassed out there i sure you know what fine let him rock I, I think he kind of embarrassed himself out there. I got to disagree with you on that. That was well, terrible. When I, say, when I say embarrassed, I mean, like, you know, he's getting like 10, eight rounds on him. You know what I mean? Like oh, dudes yeah. are hanging, you know, 90 significant strikes on him. Like, like, uh, like, uh, like Cannoneer just did on, on Vittori in that what, second or third round or whatever it was. Yeah. I'm talking about shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just, I know I don't want to see him fighting anymore. <laughs> I'm, I'm Yoel good. Romero I'll take versus off. Bigfoot Silva, baby. Uh, yeah. And that's. Oh, yeah. I mean, my goodness, Victor and I talked about him retiring on our last show, and two days later, he unretired. He did two this despite days. us. You realize that, right? You shouldn't have been talking shit. You brought this conversation in, woman. You brought this into the universe, and now look at where we are. Now Bigfoot Silva's coming back. You got these libertarian divers in the fucking MRI tank. At the bottom of the ocean, looking for the Titanic, looking for Leo DiCaprio's Kleenex box. And now, and now we got this shit. You see this? This is what happens. <laughs> All right. So before we jump into UFC on ABC5, that is the, the, the proper number, the appropriate number, I would be remiss if we did not mix in a little headline here that we need to discuss because we have not had a chance to address the Conor McGregor incident that happened. Now, last week, Victor and I were able to discuss the incident that was prelude to this, which was McGregor at halftime, um, taking a couple of swings at the mascot and putting him down and having to send him to the emergency room. Well, that same night, Conor McGregor was accused by a young woman of rape and her attorney sent letters to the venue in Miami and the team, uh, I believe it was Miami heat and Conor McGregor. And they had demanded a settlement. Um, she had filed a police report, but declined to press charges. And so Conor McGregor maintained his innocence said no dice, you know, we're not doing this. Um, the Miami Heat, they release a statement saying, you know, we're 
doing a thorough investigation on this. The UFC says they're looking into the incident. And then video arises that shows Connor leading this girl. Doesn't look like he's, you know, forcefully doing anything. He has her hand and he's leading her to the, the bathroom. And you do see big guards sort of just swarm in at the door and block the entrance. Then more video occurs and, and surfaces that shows them after leaving the restroom where she alleges that the assault took place and they're partying together after. Supposedly it was 20 or 30 minutes after. So once again, Connor's team releases a statement and they're super confident now. A lot of people have ascertained that Connor went into that bathroom and that that girl went into the bathroom willingly, whatever, blah, 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 to you know, have sex or so on. But I wonder something else. Um, I would like to put this out into the atmosphere for a moment because it's something that immediately when I watched all of those videos, especially the last one where she's there and they're hanging out afterwards, I wonder if maybe she was his plug, that maybe he somebody connected him with her so that he could score some drugs because that would also, I mean, what happens in a public restroom? three things actually four uh if it's not a nightclub people take their babies in there to change their diapers uh people go to the restroom in there people go in there to have sex or people go into a public restroom to do drugs so i'm just wondering if maybe that might have been the case because we have seen lots and lots of uh photos and stuff coming out since then of d Devlin's support of Conor McGregor. Now, Dee Devlin is his fiance. So I just wanted to float that out there. I am not in any way, shape or form uh, saying that the girl is lying. I'm just saying that I looked at all of that stuff and I just wondered if that might also have been a possible thing that could have been going on there. So gentlemen, I'll start with you, Mookie. Yeah, um, so this... This story is, is quite heavy to deal with. Mm-hmm. And with McGregor, maybe I, I don't want to get too deep into the woods here. Right. Maybe there is a chance that this case just gets dropped based on mm-hmm. the video that we've seen so far. This investigation is still ongoing. And I'm not going to rely 100% on just TMZ leaked footage for, for right. grand conclusions. But the fact that McGregor has now been accused of sexual assault, what are we on, four or five times now? Mm-hmm. The, the odds of him being 0 for 5 on truthfulness yes. uh, seemed very remote to me. And at, at this point, it feels like he, he, he's almost Teflon Don in a way, that this just keeps happening. We see reports of bad behavior or actual bad behavior, and then we just move on. And it it really is, is frustrating uh, to me to, to continue to be talking about this or even seeing this in the first place. Um, hopefully we get some sort of more definitive evidence with this with this case moving forward and maybe the accuser has not been totally truthful with the story or there's some fabrication or there's some uh stories or, or some details that were not revealed initially but with mcgregor it just feels like one way or the other we're gonna have some absolute undeniable he's painted in a corner 
absolute horrible situation that he's going to put himself in. And we'll just look back on it and go, man, probably should have been a lot more um, forceful in, on the UFC side as far as not just repeatedly defending all of his behavior. Mm-hmm. Victor. Can they afford to do so? Here's my thing, right? They're, they're, the UFC has put up with all of his shit because he is their biggest star. He's their more their most bankable uh, exponent and, and their main, you know, sort of centerpiece for a lot of the shit that they do. So they are more than willing to swallow whatever humiliation they need to to keep the machine going. I mean, look at look at what happened with Dana White's lap and his wife. You know what I mean? Like, this is a, a, a figure important enough, at least in their estimation, that they will just keep things moving along. Now, this is very different from some of the other accusations that McGregor's had because now he's named. You know, this isn't like the time that, that we had the, 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 the obfuscation of Irish sports star, you know, that 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 the uh, the laws uh, regarding privacy and accusations in Ireland would would kind of shield him in a bit. And even though we had an idea that it was him, the matter in which the the, the matter in which that affects public perception played a role there. Right. And, and, And that is something that people were much more likely to defend. But here you've got a very public venue filled with people, cameras everywhere. It's not a good look. Whether or not he, he ends up being uh, guilty, that's not a good look, man. I mean, now you got video of you with the girl and all this other stuff, and maybe he's holding her arm, all this shit. I don't feel comfortable speculating anything or you know making any other guesswork. I'm just waiting to see what else happens. And that's not to say that there aren't reasonable uh, directions that we can take some speculation in. I, I don't think there's any uh, problem with that as long as it's healthy speculation. Now, Steffi, you brought up the situation of what if maybe they were um, put together due to some other connection. That is possible. I don't think it's unreasonable to, to bring that up as a possibility. I just don't know. Really, none of us really know yeah. uh, anything where, where, that, where that leads. But if that turned out to be the case, it's interesting you bring that up because if that were to be the case, we know that Connor has a history of erratic behavior and he demonstrates the sort of tics and the sort of um, mannerisms that go hand in hand with people that do certain types of drugs, primarily Bolivian marching powder. You know, there have been rumors about this man with cocaine use for a very long time. So it might fit. You, you know, look, you say that, but shit, th- that might be a factor, I, whether it's her supplying it or her connecting it with somebody. Again, you don't want to draw too many lines and pull too many strings on the court board. But what I'm saying is this can go in so many directions. It's not completely out of the blue for someone to 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 say, hey, look, there are things that, that we need to consider. There are factors that we need to kind of uh, be aware of that might come out regarding this. Because if you add all these things based on past behavior and the nature of how some of these events go, you know, yeah, I mean, we saw the, the footage. I didn't see the footage, but, you know, you, you mentioned the the uh, security guys, you know, uh, standing at the door or whatnot. Are they keeping other people out to prevent interruptions or are they keeping something in? And there were several people that went into the restroom, too. There there were what? it was Connor. It was a girl. There was actually two girls and there was someone in front of Connor, too. So there, there were several folks. Um, I don't know. I just it, it just occurred to me because. As you said, 
We have lots of erratic behavior from him, lots of it. And just the way that he was acting at halftime and when he arrived, the video of when he arrived and he's just, wow, it was just the most, it was a spectacle. That's the best way I could put it. His arrival was a spectacle, especially him in that freaking fitted tracksuit. I, again, I don't want to challenge the veracity of the girl's statement until all of this shakes out. But right now, as it sits, um, it leaves questions. I'll just say that. I, I just I want to point out one last thing here. You know, the UFC has been very invested in protecting this guy at every turn. The NBA is not. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, they're they're going to end up with a lot of egg on their face. They have every, every bit of, of, of interest to ensure that, you know, things get straightened out and handled in a proper manner. They're not really going to be out here. You're telling, you're, you're bringing NBA security into this. That's a, like, accusing McGregor, big enough accusation, right? And obviously, you know, smoke, fire, uh, reputation, all that shit gets added up. But now you're doing this in somebody else's house. Mm-hmm. That's different. This ain't him doing this shit at the apex. So now people have to tread very lightly and investigations have to be a hell of a lot more thorough. Because Adam Silver does not want any fucking problems. You may see him, you know, the meek dork that he presents himself to be. NBA commissioners are pretty fucking ruthless. I'm going to tell you that right now. If you think David Stern was a nice guy, you are sorely mistaken. And his his successor, same thing. So, you know, these are very, very sharp and very, um, very aggressive people when it comes to procedure. And when it comes to uh, making sure that their brand is not affected in this they're not going to let some some pissant combat sports motherfucker come in there, take a shit in their house and leave it just fuming. That's not the way this is going to work. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see how this goes. But uh, they're not the UFC is not going to get any help in terms of any sort of rehabilitation or anything along those lines. For sure. All right, so we are going to pick some fights from UFC on ABC5. Um, just a, f- a little bit of facts as we go into this card. There are two ranked fights on this card and seven <laughs> ranked fighters. So I feel like they put in a little bit more effort with this ABC card than they did with the horrible UFC on ABC4 card. And So wait, wait, wait. you're saying... You're saying- Mick Maynard's getting a gift basket. Is that what I'm getting? No, not really a gift basket, but I will say this. I will say this. I'll get, I'll send him a card because he put some, some athletes on here that I absolutely want to watch. And I don't care who they're paired up with. Now we're only going to pick one of those fights, but listen, Tatsuro Taira appointment viewing. Absolutely. Trevor peak as well. I, I, I have to see those fights. Um, so I'm going to let Mookie pick which one of those fights we should leave for our picks. Because we're only going to pick five. I have four already, and I was torn between those two fights. Or I'll even throw in, if you would rather, Jamal Emmers versus Jack Jenkins, Trevor Peak versus Chepe Mar- Mariscal, or Tatsuro Taira versus Clidson Rodriguez. Now, mine would be the Taira Rodriguez fight, but I'm going to let Mookie pick since today is his day. So let me guess this, those other four fights. Emmett Taporia, Hubas Barber, so that's two. Mm-hmm. 
Onama Santos, or, or sorry, um, Alan and Bruno Silva, Magni and Philip Rowe? Nope. Or is nope. it, uh, or is that right with Onama Santos? Nope. Tabitha Brundage, Ricci Brundage. and Jillian Robertson. Because oh, Tabitha okay. oh, yeah, is actually ranked. Yeah. And Jillian Robertson is looking good. So I did, that's my fourth fight. So you get to pick, as a matter of fact, you can look at the entire card. You can pick any fight you want. Yeah. What is that Austin Lane fight doing on the maker? Other than Austin Lane being from Jacksonville, they just had to stick some heavyweight. <laughs> Everybody fight loves the, a heavyweight. The, the Tyra, uh, Tatsuro Tyra Clayton Rodriguez fight. That could be fight of the night, like right off the bat. That's, so that's I think what we I was could go with that. Perfect. That was what I was thinking. So that's going to be the first fight we pick. Um, I'm going Tatsuro Taira. I just think he is the, the next big thing. Mookie, I'll turn it over to you. Yeah, the way that he's looked these these first few UFC appearances, he just has the makings. And he's so young, too. Anybody who's born in the 21st century, anybody who's born at the turn of the millennium and already ready to compete like this in a division this talented, you got to have your eye on. I mean, Clayton Rodriguez is, is a is a serious threat, too. And he just came off a quick knockout what, at UFC 284. That was a really quick finish, too. I think it was a body shot uh, stoppage as well. Um, certainly one of the few contender series signings in the last couple of years who might think is actually very good. Uh, but Tyra, I think he, he's going to find a way to get this to the mat and get a slick submission off. Victor? Yeah, he's going to have a hard time with it, but I can see him doing it. And that's the thing, Tyra. I mean, here's a guy. I just, when I see these cats coming up and they're undefeated and they're blazing fucking amazing prospects. And then I realized that they were born when I was in college. I mean, that hurts me deeply. It just cuts me deep to my soul. But I like this kid. He's got a lot of great shit going on. Clayton, pretty talented, pretty good. But I think Tyra takes it. I think, you know, again, that hot hand and just that, um, really good instincts of he's you know you got submission guys that they, they take a little longer to set things up this guy he fights like he's double parked and i i, I respect that so uh, gotta go with tyra all right next up we have tabitha ricci versus jillian robertson i'm so torn on this but i think i'm gonna take jillian robertson i just think she is looking fantastic lately so yeah i'm, I'm gonna take her I think Robertson is is one of those fighters who's a real high-end gatekeeper because she has some limitations, especially on the feet, that I think will ever prevent her from from being a, a top-flight contender. But when she gets into a dominant position on the ground, <laughs> it, it's as good as over. Yep. No, no. Even even if you try to rake her eyes out, like I think Priscilla Cachoeira did. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that was her. She she took apart Piero Rodriguez in the last fight. The Agapava really not any good in the first place, but still easily choked her out. We know that it's top fighters that beat her, whether or at least good up-and-coming fighters, whether it's Miranda Maverick or Tyler Santos or Macy Barber years back. Strawweight, um, because this is a strawweight fight, I think it's the best division for her. And if Richie's going to be a willing grappler, this is going to be a problem for her. And even if she isn't going to be a willing grappler, I mean, Robertson's really good at, at forcing the fight that she prefers. So um, – I think Richie could have the edge on on the feet, but I, I believe Robertson is going to get another submission win to add to her, her, her ledger of, of submissions. She's got to be up there in terms of finishes, period, mm-hmm. uh, on the women's side for, for submissions. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Let me take a look. She's got seven in seven finishes in flyweight history and seven submission wins in UFC women's wow. history. So, yeah, yeah she, she's, she's got the most. Definitely up there. 
Uh, Victor? Yeah, here's the thing. Tabitha Ricci is more than, more than happy to engage anybody on the ground. She's super good there. But once you add the element of punchy face, I think that's going to change the equation. I think the Jillian's ground striking might pose a, a different series of challenges. And I'm not saying that that's not something that Ricci's not ready for. I just think that maybe that's going to be what leads to um, Robertson pulling away and then eventually uh, just, you know, capitalizing, just just pouring it on over time and, and making things much more of a slog and uh, creating a deficit that Ricci might have some trouble bouncing back from. I could absolutely be wrong. I think, in fact, uh, you know, I, I kind of feel like Ricci can pull it off, though. Are you? I don't know why. I don't have any real scientific uh, reason for that to happen, but I'm going to go with Jillian. Oh, you're going with Robertson? Yes, I am. Oh, okay. All right. You always, you know what, you, you're like a winding road and you come right back around and I can't figure I gotta, out. <laughs> I got to point it out because it's going to, I feel like it's going to be a pretty damn good fight. And yeah. that's, you know, like you, you, you kind of have to illustrate that. I, I feel like I'd be doing something a disservice if I didn't, you know? Absolutely. All right. Next up at 185, Brendan Allen taking on Bruno Silva. Mookie, I'm going to start with you. I got to hear you guys on this before I make up my mind. I have no idea what to think about either one of these fighters. <laughs> Certainly with Brendan Allen, he he went from gicked territory to he's like a completely transformed fighter. Because when he got wiped out by Chris Curtis, I thought, all right, between that and the Strickland fights, he just might not be durable enough to to hang with, with top dudes at 185. But the way that he handled Andre Muniz was mm. super impressive and, and to choke him out, too. I mean, I don't think anybody had envisioned Brendan Allen's submission over a guy that the, the guy who broke Jacare's arm yeah. Um, yeah. spared us all Christoph Jocko tedium. And now he's over at PFL. And I'm pretty sure he failed a drug test as well. He did. He did. Yeah. He did. All right. So that's that's even better. So uh, we definitely don't have to watch Jocko at all. But with Bruno Silva, I mean, he gave Alex Pereira a, a pretty difficult fight. Mm -hmm. he, he did well to not get knocked out in that one. And then against Gerald Mearshart, he looked terrible. And then he just dove right into the one thing Mearshart is, is going to be most dangerous at. But his, <laughs> his knockout power, that, that's going to be an interesting dynamic. Because the longer this stays on the feet, the more of a danger it is for Brendan Allen. Even with all, his, all of his improvements and the way that he tore up Sam Alvey to, to get that submission win, I, I think he hurt him on the feet and then choked him out. Um, but I feel like if he continues to, to, to not react well to, to heavy shots, because the other dudes that he's been beaten, beating Mooney's Jocko, Jacob Malkoon, Sam Alvey, that's not a murderer's row of punches. No, not at all. So Bruno <laughs> Silva presents the same dynamic that gave him trouble in the Chris Curtis fight. And as much as I rag on Sean Strickland, when Strickland is, is as at his absolute best, he can, he can pop. So I'm torn on this. I'm going to lean towards Bruno Silva, but I don't feel good about it because if this goes to the ground, Allen is just going to absolutely school him. So actually, I changed my mind. I'm going to go with Brendan Allen. Okay, Brendan Allen. All right, Victor? I'm kind of in the same boat. Like, I want to go with Bruno, but then he'll do something. And, you know, I want to say he fights dumb, but he kind of does sometimes. Like, he just he's just made some pretty wobbly decisions. And, you know, beating the Schlemenkos of the world is fine and well, but... Not a, what does that say about where he stands now? I don't know. These are two guys that I have a hard time really trusting at a, at a certain point. And I guess, how is, is Brendan Allen really more reliable? I don't know, but my gut says I got to go with him. So fuck it. I'm going to do that. I'm going to go with Bruno Silva. 
Um, I had been leaning that way based on power. Mm. Um, I don't know. I just, I guess I'm going to go big or go home on this one. But yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go with Silva. All right. Next up, we get to the co-main event. Amanda Hebosh taking on Macy Barber. I'm taking Amanda Hebosh just because I need to for my own sanity. I'm not a fan Mm. of Macy Barber. I don't like the way she presents herself, the way she comes off. And she could be the best thing since sliced bread. And I would probably still not want to pick her. Um, But Amanda Hebosh is a bubbly, effervescent little cherub. And I like watching her fight. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Amanda Hebosh. Mookie, how you going? It is very tempting to pick Barber, if only because I think she had genuinely gotten better. She was just way overhyped. Some of it brought on by herself and the rest brought on by the UFC. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, she's on a four-fight winning streak. She, she got that win over KGB Elite, but she got taken down a lot in that fight. And Amanda Hebosh, if she takes Macy Barber down, there's a much more potent grappling threat there to be posed. Um, so uh, I think that Hibash will win this. Uh, I think she's best served staying at 125 because she's kind of been yo-yoing. Sometimes she's been fought at 125, others at 115. I think she should just stick to 125 in the long term. I think that Hibash is going to be too crafty and too too technical for her uh, in the end. And, and the fact is, even with Barbara's improvements, when she is not just physically dominating someone, her her game is not as 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 scary. So I'm going to go with Hibosh here. Victor? Macy Barber's best chance is throwing lots of volume straight down the middle and being able to bully her opponent. I don't know that she's going to be able to overpower somebody who came up doing judo the way that, that Hibosh did. And if, if, if Andrea Lee is taking you down a bunch, imagine what a judoka can do. You know what I mean? Like, this is not... I, I, I do worry. I do worry that uh, maybe Amanda's going to kind of get sucked into that uh, that whole thing of trying to play Barber's game or, you know, kind of be a little complacent with the striking defense. But if she's able to at least move aside, then, you know, I think a lot of avenues will start opening up for her. So I'm going to go and bank on Amanda fighting a little smarter here. And, you know, Barber has some skill and raw athleticism, but I don't really see the progression and development in her. That's not I'm not I'm not trying to be mean or anything. I'm just like, you know, she had a lot of promise coming in, but then she only has a few tricks up her sleeve. And that's not you, you I don't know. I'm not I'm not seeing the growth here, man. I'm not I'm not really buying into it. So um yeah, nah, I'm going to the matter. All right. Get to the main event. Josh Emmett taking on Ilya Toporia. I am just going to go ahead and put this out into the ether. I'm taking Ilya Toporia. I think Josh Emmett, I just don't think he looks the same. Um, I don't know what it is, but even even in the Cater fight, I, I thought Cater won that fight, honestly. And, you know, Yair did his thing in there. I don't know. Uh, he's he's kind of long in the tooth, too. 38 years old. My goodness. Yeah, I'm going to take Ilya Topuria for sure. Uh, Bookie, I'll let you have the, the more detailed analysis because I'm just spitballing right now. Yeah, this fight, as much as we're in a rut as far as some of these UFC main events, 
And oh my God, after 290, which I'm going to miss 290. I haven't missed a pay-per-view in years, but those next few events after that, it's a rough sledding. Uh, but <laughs> this this fight is a damn good fight. Mm-hmm. Why couldn't Holloway just fight the winner of this fight instead? Yes. Of Korean Zombie. <laughs> I mean, Emmett, Holloway against Emmett or Holloway against Sapporia is perfect to me. Like, maybe the timelines mm-hmm. didn't work out. But um, with Emmett, even when he lost to Yair Rodriguez, he still hurt him in that first round. Yes. You can't count discount it because of the power that he presents. The one thing with Emmett is he, he's not the most varied striker in the world. So he, but what he does, he does really well. Now with Taporia, we saw him get put through hell and back against Jack Herbert. And then he sent Jack Herbert to hell, mm-hmm. but the Bryce Mitchell fights, which I I'm pretty sure I might've picked Mitchell in that one as a very bad decision because Taporia just, just tore him apart and, and tapped him out. And Taporia has shown that's grap- Funky grapplers, he can deal with Ryan Hall and Bryce Mitchell and knock them out. Guys who are more willing to stand and trade, he can knock them out too. That power, in addition to the fact that he's a, he's a damn good submission threat and he's strong on the mat, I just feel like Emmett is probably past his, his, his absolute best for, for two reasons. One is age and two, the fact that he had multiple serious injuries that yes. negatively impacted his career. I don't know how much longer Tapori is going to hang at 145 because it feels like he, he's big for the weight class. Mm-hmm. But I absolutely believe Taporia can be challenging for a title soon. Um, that wrestling, um, he, he can rely on because Emmett's, even though he has that wrestling ability, it's not something that he, he's willing to do a ton of. So if Taporia wants to take this to the mat, he absolutely can. And then on the feet, if he can get past those big power shots that Emmett is known, known to throw, he's got the ability to hurt Emmett. I mean, Emmett is, is not a glass-jawed person by, by any stretch of the imagination, but we, we've seen him get rocked before. He certainly got worn down by y- Yair Rodriguez before he got submitted. And obviously, Jeremy Stevens broke his face. So, And, and I think Michael Johnson uh, had heard him before. Michael Johnson did his usual thing and get knocked out in a fight that he's winning. So I'm going to pick Taporia by TKO. But it's going to be exciting for as long as it lasts because those two just don't know how to have boring fights. Victor. The way you just said that reminded me of Khabib talking about the Dali incident. Yeah, is it? Connor, break the boss. Yeah, I don't know why. I just reminded of people talking funny. Uh, yeah, I I, I want to pick Emmett, you know, based on he's still got the power. He's still got that wrestling advantage. He's still able to get good reads for those counters. Um, but then you also just got to wonder, like, this dude, man, this this dude fights smart. You know, Taporia is able to create entries and get out of the way real quick. So I don't. He's not a guy who's big on gambling with his chin. And he's put other dudes away. I mean, you know, you got to wonder, like we were talking earlier about Vittori, how many of those shots can you survive? You know, I mean, uh, shit. I I don't... I, I want to pick Emmett based on the experience and veteran savvy in the wrestling. Right. And you know what? Oh. I'm, I'm going to do that. I'm going to stick with him. I'm going to go with Emmett. Oh, my. Okay. All right, so... We have a couple of pick differences. I am taking uh, Bruno Silva over Brendan Allen. And Victor is taking Josh Emmett over Ilya Tupuria. Otherwise, we are identical, virtually identical (laughs) on the cards. If you are a paid Substack subscriber, stick around. You get access to the Luke Thomas interview. And if you are a subscriber, please, please share this 
far and wide. We appreciate you so much. So I'm going to turn this over to Mookie. And Mookie, you tell us what you've got going on, where we can find you, all that good stuff. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter, at Mookie Alexander. I still tweet on on Fight Nights, especially for for boxing cards as well. Um, You may or may not see me on Bloody Elbow not just in the comment section, but also maybe writing another post for the Substack here and there before NFL season starts. And speaking of NFL, I, of course, am the managing editor slash producer over at Field Goals covering the NFL Seattle Seahawks. And uh, every once in a blue moon, I also write stuff for the big SB Nation uh, mothership. So, yes, I, I got to say, bloody elbow. I, I know that they had they were cut off by Box Media, but... For everybody who's been supporting BE since the transition over to becoming fully independent, truly appreciate it. I've still done a couple of things behind the scenes as far as inputs on things with with regards to the site layout and some other stuff. But Bloody Elbow is still absolute family to me, including you two, Steffi and Victor. So keep supporting BE, keep fighting the good fight because MMA media and media in general, especially online, it's in a ver- on very shaky ground. And obviously, you all know that firsthand, given what happened with B a few months ago. But I can tell you unequivocally, B is not going anywhere. BE is going to be here to stay, and they're continuing to kick ass. To access the bonus content of this show, you must be a paid subscriber. To do that, go to bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com and subscribe today. Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Podcast production. Subscribe at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com. Give us your email and receive notifications when your favorite shows drop straight into your inbox. We're also found on a wide variety of podcast outlets. Just search for Bloody Elbow Podcast and you will get new shows throughout the week, including the MMA Bunker and MMA Tete-a-Tete shows with Kid Nate, the Level Change Podcast, the Hey Not the Face Podcast, the MMA Vivisection main card and prelims UFC preview shows, the sixth round post-fight show, the Show Money podcast, and the MMA Depressed Us.